Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist, speaker, and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I named It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. So today we have a friend and a colleague joining us to talk to us about EMDR and sex addiction. Her name is Claudia Lewis. Claudia is a California licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in the treatment of trauma and addiction, and she earned her master's in clinical psychology from Antioch University here in Los Angeles. Claudia has completed multiple trainings in EMDR therapy and is an approved consultant. She's also certified in brain spotting and is the co-founder of BrainSpotting Los Angeles. Claudia is a double certified yoga and meditation teacher, and she incorporates mindfulness and meditation techniques in her work with clients. Claudia Lewis has a thriving private practice here in West Hollywood, where she works with a range of trauma and co-occurring disorders. Born and raised in Great Britain, Claudia has lived and worked all around the world and speaks five languages, creating an affirmative approach to working with diverse populations. Her personal 12-step recovery, along with her clinical experience, contributes to her collaborative approach with clients in all stages of recovery, from process addictions, substances, and codependency. I am so privileged to have my friend and colleague, Claudia Lewis, joining us today to talk about EMDR, which, for those of you who are, are not familiar, stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And she's going to be talking with us about how EMDR and sex addiction can work together as a healing modality. Welcome, Claudia. So glad to have you here today. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's such a pleasure to be here talking with you about this. And thank you for asking me on. I can't tell you what a privilege it is. It's always fun to have a colleague who's also a friend to join us for some time together. Isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's rare. We don't get to see enough of each other. I know this. So why don't we just jump right into the conversation today? And I'd, I'd like to begin with the most basic question, if I may. What is EMDR therapy? So EMDR therapy which is a great abbreviation because, as you've just mentioned, it has this long and complex uh, title, Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. So EMDR therapy is our shortened version of that. It's a therapy modality that targets the resolution of trauma, uh, primarily through eye movement and what we call bilateral stimulation. And I'll get on to explaining what that is in just a moment. This is a therapy modality that has been around for about 30 years. It is endorsed and recommended by multiple governmental and non-governmental agencies, the Department of Defense, Department of Veterans Affairs, 
uh, American Psychological Association and many others as the go-to treatment for trauma. So EMDR therapy has been uh, researched more than all of the other trauma modalities put together and has been proven pretty successful in the resolution of any kind of trauma. Would you like me to explain a little bit about how it works? Well, before you go there, because of course I do want you to talk about that piece, but just for our listeners, can you just share a little bit when you use the word trauma, what that really is referring to? It's a really important question because I think when people hear the word trauma, they often imagine a bomb going off or a car accident, and it can mean those things. This is what we call big T trauma, but trauma is a subjective experience, so it can also mean many, many other things, including what we call little t trauma, and this can be an experience during childhood, such as an invalidating or a misattuned parent. It could be growing up in poverty or growing up um, being the only person of your sexual orientation or religion in your community. There can be many experiences that we as individuals experience as traumatic that might not necessarily fit the traditional mold of what people think of as trauma. So if, if I were to add a little bit to that, one way I think of it is that there's specific trauma, let's say like an earthquake, like we had in California not too long ago, or it could be something developmental, meaning that, that it's part of one's child development and the gaps and ruptures that occurred back then. Is that fair to say? Yes. And, I, and in addition to that, we can have both of those things together in our lives, and that would present what we call complex trauma. So if we look over the course of an individual's lifetime, our lifetimes, most of us have big T and little t combined. Some of us are lucky enough not to have that. And when we look at what we call a trauma timeline, for many of us, we have a complex trauma picture. Thank you for the clarification. I think that's important to recognize that it can be layered and that it's not a cookie cutter approach at all. Mm -hmm. And, Very much so. Yeah. So as we know, we're here today on this podcast to talk about how EMDR would be a treatment modality for sex and love addiction. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more about how specifically EMDR therapy might be helpful for a sex and love addict. Absolutely. So sex and love addiction, which in common with every other addiction, has trauma underneath it. I don't know if I've ever met somebody who's um, an addict in recovery who does not have some kind of trauma underneath their behaviors. And as such, we want to be getting to that trauma and resolving the trauma so that recovery can proceed as smoothly as possible. So if it's okay, can I take a moment to explain a little bit about how EMDR therapy affects the brain and the nervous system with the resolution of trauma? Absolutely. One thing I, I would like to emphasize, though, because I, I think when you said it, I, I saw it in neon lights, and so I wanted to repeat it, is that you said that you've never met a client who presented with sex and love addiction who didn't have some type of trauma underneath 
that addiction or in their background somewhere. And I think that's so important when we're talking about any addictive compulsive behaviors, but especially with sex and love addiction in terms of the different types of trauma that have led to that survival strategy, really, the, the attempt to feel better, the attempt to numb out, the attempt to feel less, possibly. And, yeah. and so I, I so appreciate you clarifying that and, and being so clear about how that is, is really what you see with every person who walks into your office mm-hmm. with this type of pattern, this type of, of uh, sex and love challenge, let's say. Mm. You know, I think it's important to understand because it can bring us a level of insight and understanding as well as compassion over what may be going on with addictive behaviors. For sure. I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're mm. you're absolutely stating what we didn't used to know, but have been learning more and more about through the research and through our anecdotal evidence that we see in our offices all the time. Absolutely. So you were saying that you would like to talk a little bit about the brain. And and as I know, having had a lot of experience with you, Claudia, that that you're an expert on explaining this (laughs) in in terms that are simple and and yet really descriptive. So go for it. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Okay. Okay. So, um, Let me begin by saying that the brain is a very complex organ that we are only just beginning to understand. And what we now know that you're right, uh, there was a period of time we knew even less about the brain. But what we now know is that the brain is divided essentially into three layers. We've got our thinking brain, our emotional brain, and our survival brain. Now, when we're in talk therapy or when we're chatting like you and I are now, we are just using the thinking part of the brain. However, when we experience some kind of a trauma, and remember it's subjective, the experience of that trauma goes into and is held in the emotional area of the brain out of reach of the thinking brain. It's held in a timeless, frozen state, almost like a little capsule, out of the reach of our language, our logic, our thinking brain. So this means that when we might get triggered or activated by something that reminds us of the trauma, that activity will be happening in the emotional brain and will feel really out of our control. And this is something I think that most of us have experienced some kind of uh, an interaction or an event in our lives where we have a nervous system or brain reaction and we can't think our way out of it. So the relevance to this for EMDR therapy is that EMDR is able to um, work with the, the limbic system, the emotional area of the brain, and essentially reorganize how that trauma information is held. And it helps us have a greater access with the thinking brain so that we're able to apply um, a sense of time to it, some logic to it, and more distance and perspective to the events than we might have otherwise been able to. Wow, that was such a a concise and clear way of describing it. I I really heard the, the information that you're sharing about the three parts of the brain and it's so much simpler than talking about the actual physiology and uh, technical names of the brain 
but what what I hear you saying is that in a way the brain gets hijacked at times and go ahead well I was going to say that's exactly the brain and the nervous system both get hijacked right and so that's actually leading me to my next question which is do you feel that talk therapy can be enough in the treatment of sex and love addiction well I think talk therapy is a great starting point because it's helpful to have um, insight, uh, be able to share our history, be able to look at our experiences and be able to talk through a whole range of feelings that we may have coming up about that. And um, my experience invariably with people is that they often get to a point where talk therapy cannot help them further or where they need some kind of an adjunctive therapy to enable their nervous system and their brain to calm down and release some of this charge that we have been talking about. Okay, so in other words, both the talk therapy and the, what I would maybe call the brain body therapies like EMDR, um, are are both essential in different ways, that, that they actually speak to different parts of the brain, but ultimately are all part of the healing. But tell us more about, for instance, how would you use EMDR specifically? What would it look like in session with, with either a sex addict, a love addict, or a sex and love addict? So we want to be working together in therapy to find out what some of the root causes are of what is going on. I'm curious with all of my clients around what are your traumatic or difficult experiences, many of which are rooted in childhood, that may have been at the root, the etiology of these problems. So together, we will be curious around a client's history and their impressions of what may be going on underneath these addictive behaviors. Um, Interestingly, with sex and love addiction, there are often very similar root causes that just end up expressing themselves differently in adult life. So we will work together to trace back from the symptoms in the present what the causes may be in the past. And we will do this through um, an emotional framework, through looking at the body and the sensations in the body, and through looking at self-belief. You know, so many of us have negative self-defeating beliefs underneath many addictive behaviors, and we want to be targeting and resolving those two. So we will work together in the room to to kind of create a picture of what we might want to be targeting with the EMDR therapy um, and tying in how different experiences and memories may be connected. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it begins with curiosity. As a therapist, you're curious about the origins of this problem or this adaptation or survival strategy. And then once you are looking at the origins, you start looking at, well, how, how has that created themes and patterns throughout someone's life? And, and I think what I heard you, you refer to is that then you're looking at, okay, so what does my client really want? What, what is it that would really feel different to them on the inside that would make their life better? 
Yes, and curiosity is a great word for it because it, this is the client that leads the way in this kind of process. And often people have questions such as, well, you know, will I be re-traumatized? Or I don't want to have to think about that again. Or what if I don't want to bring something up? And all of that is fine. That um, EMDR therapy, along with the other brain-body modalities, um, understands that the brain and the nervous system know what to do in order to heal themselves. And as clinicians, we are simply setting up the framework for that. So the client is really in control of the process over what they may or may not want to share or look at and when. And then together we're working in the room to make sure that there isn't re-traumatization and that it happens at a pacing that feels good. So it's very respectful of the client's nervous system. Always. Nothing is really being done to them. It's a collaborative process where you follow the nervous system and, and really respect where they're at and pace them accordingly. Exactly, because especially if we're being sensitive to the recovery process, we don't want to be in the business of um, bringing up extra anxiety, hijacking the nervous system even further. It has to be, and I love this word that you use, respectful. Mm -hmm. That's a very important part of the process. So some of our listeners may not know what bilateral stimulation means or, or what it actually physically looks like. Like I, I think sometimes people get ideas about things like EMDR and think that they have to wear electrodes or they, they, they have to <laughs> have something very uh, primitive uh, hooked up to them. Can you Luckily, just share? That, that doesn't happen. I, well, that's um, a good thing it doesn't happen. It's a good, that's a good thing. Right. And, and it's an Im important question because, you know, this idea that something's going to be done to me or will I be hooked up to some machine? And, you know, what even is bilateral stimulation? That's such a mouthful. I think it's important to simplify this. So bilateral stimulation is any movement left, right, running, drumming, walking dancing. We have many ways that we move left, right in cultures around the world. Now, what we do with EMDR therapy is capitalize on that left, right movement because of the way it stimulates the brain. In the office, I have some little tappers that gently pulse from side to side. Some therapists might use a light bar, so your eyes are watching um, a light go back and forth. And then some therapists may use sound so that, that that is moving left, right through headphones. But either way, there's going to be some kind of way to cue the brain to move left, right. And that's what helps the reorganization of the material that we've been talking about. Sounds fantastic. When can I make an appointment? <laughs> I'll get you in as soon as I can. Excellent. So I'm wondering, again, if we could just bring it back around to a typical client who says, you know, I've been in program for sex and love addiction maybe for a few years. I've never really looked at my trauma. What, what would be an example of a typical client and, and what the kind of trauma or traumas that they present to you? Mm. So this can vary greatly. And it probably won't surprise you that some people come to therapy not even thinking that they may have trauma. 
Um, in some cases, it's pretty overt. So if somebody is presenting with um, a childhood molestation, um, some kind of a child sex abuse, then, then that's um, obviously out of the gate going to be something that at some point we might want to look at. We're also curious together around relationships in childhood. Was there a parent that was perhaps um, dismissive or cold? Was there a parent that was um, over intrusive and didn't allow boundaries with the child? Um, what was the parenting style? Was it pushy? Was it hands off? Was it avoidance? So I'm curious about all of these different styles of relating for our clients, because ultimately sex and love addiction is about some sort of relating too, and something that may have gone awry during our early, early processes. So we're going to be wanting to look at a lot um, at family environment, a lot of, of, about things that may have happened, um, and that can include community, um, you know, but looking at if there can be any incidents at school, at, at church, at temple. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, being curious about the environment. Uh, if you, for example, grew up gay and it wasn't OK to be gay in your family, then what messaging did you get about that? So we're really wanting to look at the whole picture um, of more subtle things that could have affected a person or the more obvious overt traumas that may have affected someone. Absolutely. So part of what I hear you saying is it's really a discovery process. And sometimes it's not just the therapist learning about the client's background around trauma, but it's the individual, the client who sometimes just doesn't even know or or name it as, as trauma. And mm -hmm. so again, I, I generally see multiple traumas. I, I, occasionally someone will come in who has had one specific isolated trauma, but it's almost across the board. Yesterday I was talking with a client who is on his fourth step and he was talking about resentments and he was having some difficulties with the word resentments, first of all, but with, with trying to tease out what really were resentments and, and what were other things that went on. And one of the things we ended up landing on was disconnection, that mm. he had many, many points in his childhood where he felt disconnections. And each of those disconnections could also be a resentment, but each of those disconnections were a small t trauma. And mm -hmm. there were many, many of those along the way, whether it was bullying or a father who was too busy to to pay attention to him or um, times where he only hung out with girls and, and the guys ostracized him. So it, it just was fascinating. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at what trauma truly is and how it shows up in terms of um, our clients identifying as, oh yeah, this, this really was a, a rupture. This was really, really painful and, and and that, and then we're we have a place to go from there, of course. Mm -hmm. And I think the exciting thing about this is that as we discover more, we gain so much more self understanding um, and self compassion around why we might be who we are and do what we do. And this is what I love about EMDR therapy as a companion for recovery is that they are both um, these discovery processes. Right, and in 12-step, there's a lot of emphasis on acceptance. And if we talk about 
self-acceptance and self-understanding and self-compassion and eventually self-love, we're really talking about the beauty of the healing process that can take shape over time, when it, whether it's in the therapy room or whether it's in 12-step or whether it's with emotionally reliable people who are able to help folks heal whatever those ruptures have been. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think what this is pointing to is the idea that it is a healing process that restores a lot of what may have been robbed from us in our earlier life. Absolutely. And and once again, what I hear you saying is that these are things that happen sometimes pre-verbal, right? These are things that happened we could even go back to in utero where yeah. let's say a parent w- a mother was a smoker and was depressed. You know, we're, there's more and more research that tells us that that kind of in- influence on the baby is profound. And then it goes on and on from there. Of course. I mean, um, early childhood um, gaps as I call them start from day one. And sometimes it's, it's not so much to me about having to unearth each and every one of them, but I think what, what EMDR does so beautifully is it, it raises awareness and understanding and compassion and does that reprocessing piece so that that burden doesn't have to stay in the system. That's exactly it. There's, it releases the burden from the nervous system and also changes what we believe about ourselves. This is an important part of EMDR therapy as well. We look at negative self-beliefs and how we might work at releasing those and transforming them into a more positive self-concept, which again is another important part of recovery. For sure. And, and I am so, so grateful for you joining us today. Claudia, it's been such a pleasure to talk about such a significant topic and such a, a significant modality and healing tool that that helps so many people with compulsive addictive behaviors and certainly with sex and love addiction as well. So once again, I, I so appreciate you being with us and we will certainly cross paths soon, I'm sure. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to have been here. You take care. Thank you so much for listening today. It was so great sharing this time today with my very, very talented colleague and friend, Claudia Lewis, and discussing this really significant topic that affects so many sex and love addicts. EMDR is a vital component to healing. And today, Claudia shared with us, in simple terms, how this works. I look forward to sharing more with you in future podcasts. And thanks again for being here today.